to move through the ocean, the cuttlefish has a wavy, wavy fin that surrounds its mantle. It also has a siphon, a muscular tube it can squirt water out of for fast propulsion. Imagine trying to move by vomiting out of a giant straw and flapping your skirt around very, very fast. That is how a cuttlefish do. That's how I move around. Is how Don Hume do. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name is Paul. I am not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I have become an animal expert. What? Just since this morning. Holy crap. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, I woke up, and I took a shower, and then I brushed my teeth, and I played with my dogs, and then I was having a conversation with the cat. That must have been it, the conversation with the cat. Oh, I need to get a cat. You need to get a cat. (laughs) No, I'm not an animal expert. Oh, man. Sorry. That's okay. It was a dream. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're talking about the adorable... And cutie and uncuddleable cuttlefish. Yes, but first the news. This is Varman's headline news with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. This news story is the reason we are doing this episode. We were going to talk about another animal. And then Donna found this news story, and a couple of our listeners in the Varmint's discussion group found this story, and so we we did a little pivot, and we're talking about cuttlefish. It was on the list. We were just like, nah, let's do this one early, so. Yeah. So in the 1970s, a guy named Walter Mischel led an experiment at Stanford University to test how much self-control children have when presented with a preferred treat such as a marshmallow. And two options, either eat the one marshmallow now, or wait for 15 to 20 minutes and get rewarded with two marshmallows. Cuttlefish can pass the marshmallow test. (laughs) And they were willing to forego meals when they knew that waiting meant that they would be rewarded with more delicious treats. And that makes them the first known invertebrates to show the ability to exert self-control. Wow. But presumably it wasn't a marshmallow, it was like a fish or something, right? It was a live shrimp. Ah, yes. Previous studies have shown that they have a good memory, they can learn the value of different types of prey, they can use past experience, but they didn't know whether these cuttlefish could also delay gratification. So they set up a little two-chamber apparatus with transparent sliding drawers. Behind one drawer they placed live shrimp, which the cuttlefish preferred, and behind the other drawer they placed crab, which the cuttlefish would eat, but it was less preferred. And the doors had little symbols on them that indicated whether it would open with a delay or open immediately, which the cuttlefish learned pretty quickly to recognize. The drawer with the less preferred meal always opened to the cuttlefish immediately, but the other drawer with the shrimp opened after some delay. The cuttlefish chose to delay gratification to score a more delicious meal if they knew the door would open after a delay, 
And so they were able to delay grabbing their snack for anywhere between 50 to 130 seconds, so almost two minutes. Wow. Yeah, during this time, they sat at the bottom of the tank and they looked at the two rewards and just kind of waited. I love this part of the article. Sometimes they would even turn away from the immediate option as if to distract themselves from the temptation of the immediate reward. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, if I'm only patient, there would be a sweet, succulent <laughs> treat. <laughs> there was a Radiolab episode about the marshmallow test, and yes. they, they put links in the show notes to the video of... Because they videotaped these kids doing the, the marshmallow test. Mm -hmm. And some of the children would rock back and forth or sing or do things to try to distract themselves to get through so that they could have two marshmallows. And so that's kind of what these cuttlefish are doing. Don't know why cuttlefish evolved the ability to exert self-control because they don't live very long. They're not very social. They are not tool users. So... The thinking is that they might have evolved self-control as a byproduct of camouflage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they have the camouflage and probably self-control evolved to optimize their foraging behavior. Sure. And reduce their exposure to, pred to predators. Patience, patience. Yeah. That kind of thing. So, don't know, they don't know really that that's why, but they that's what they think. You know, that's what they think. Sounds as good as anything else. Yeah. Self-control is not in and of itself intelligence. Uh, they still have to do cognitive tests like spatial memory and object permanence, uh, which means an understanding that an object is still there regardless of where you, whether or not you can see it. Mm -hmm. Those are other indicators of intelligence. Uh, but it's pretty. It's a pretty big deal that cuttlefish can pass the, the marshmallow test. That is a really big deal. That's really yeah. cool, man. Patience. And Patience. The food will come. The food will come. Yeah, that's what they're doing. <laughs> Did you see the little tiny one that that puts pebbles on its head in Scotland in oh, the Orkneys? Oh yes. Yep. <laughs> it took his little, little tentacles and just started stacking pebbles on its head. Like, okay, I'm gonna do this, and you can't see me now, even though my little tentacles are moving. But I'm gonna do. I'm gonna hide down here. Yep, but when the tentacles are not moving, when he was finished, you couldn't see him at all. It's just oh, like, no. well, that little pile of pebbles. Well, that, <laughs> how about it? <laughs> <laughs> if you were a predator, you would have a hard time finding him for sure. So, hmm. Look out, other tiny prey. I mean, he was like an itty bitty <laughs> little guy. Like, like, like you could hold him between your fingers. Little tiny guy. A little tiny, tiny cuttlefish. So... <laughs> Okay, just a reminder, everybody, go to barmeds.podbean.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at, at barmedspodcast, all one word, and at barmedspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, suggestions. We have a Pinterest board, and that is run by a really cool Varminion, and we like them a lot. Thank you so much for doing that. Just go over there and put varmints in the search engine. You can see our boards. And if you want some merchandise, you can go to Redbubble and put varmints in the search engine again over there, and you will find us. You can get some leggings. There's leggings now. <laughs> There's leggings now. There's actual leggings. But you can I get a cup. I designed them myself. Yeah, you can get a cup. <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to do it, so kudos to you, dude. <laughs> nice one. 
Hey, if you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to our podcast? We are everywhere podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. Now, let's talk about the cute but not cuddly cuttlefish. I know cuddle and cuddle are not the same root, but it doesn't matter because <laughs> they sound the same. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever wondered about animals? What do they look like? Where do they live? Why are some of their legs also hands? Well, we have. So it's time to learn about animals. So we're talking about cuttlefish today. Cuttlefish are cephalopods along with squid, which we did an episode on about a year ago. And octopuses, which we did an episode on way back in the oldie times of this podcast. And we might have to... We might have to revisit octopuses. We might have to do that one again. Yep. Yeah. And nautiluses. Yes. Which might, that, that might be a good solo episode. Yeah. Cuttlefish resemble squid a little more than they do octopuses. They have a long flattened body that is bordered by a pair of narrow fins. There are around 120 species of cuttlefish. All species have eight arms and two tentacles, just like squid. And they are usually 6 to 10 inches long, or 15 to 25 centimeters long. Sepia apama is the largest cuttlefish, and they can grow to be 20 inches or 50 centimeters in length and weigh around 20 pounds or 10 and a half kilograms, which is yeah. way bigger than I thought cuttlefish got. Yeah, me too. That's a smacky cuttlefish, man. <laughs> wow. The name of that cuttlefish, too, sepia apama, that sepia is like the brownish uh mm -hmm. like you have a there's a sepia filter on your phone yeah. on your on your instagram app that's kind of like the that brownish... name of the brown color uh, that was old photographs were, were in sepia totally yes yeah it's a color of brown and that's the color of their ink mm -hmm. that's really cool cuttlefish can be found in temperate or tropical waters along the coastlines of northern europe africa asia and australia there are no cuttlefish at all around the americas which is, yeah, cuttlefish fossils have been found that have been that were about 21 million years old. And it's thought that by the time these guys evolved, that the Pacific and the Atlantic Oceans were too cold and too deep for these guys to cross. So they were just kind of locked into where they were. Mm -hmm. But if you look at a distribution map, yeah, they, they are all around Europe. They're all around Africa. They're all around Australia. And that's it. That is crazy. Male and female cuttlefishes are just called male and female cuttlefishes. Guess what baby cuttlefishes are called? I don't know. I have no idea. What is it? <laughs> baby cuttlefishes are called cutlets. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. No, that's not good. <laughs> I I had to double check that one. They're oh, called cutlets. No. <laughs> they should be called cuties or something, you know? Well... Maybe maybe it's supposed to be pronounced cutelets. Yeah, we'll call them cutelets. Cutelets. They're not cutlets. Come on. <laughs> Get with it, scientists. <laughs> cutlets. Whatever. And a group of cuttlefishes is called a school. Cuttlefishes are also called cuddles for short. That comes from the old English word cuddle, or C-U-D-E-L-E. I'm guessing that just is pronounced cuddle. Uh, which is just what people who spoke Old English called cuttlefishes, cuddles. Yeah. The first part of that word may have come from Middle Low German kudel, which means pocket or container, or an Old Norse word 
Cody, which means cushion or testicle. Why? I don't know. But that's where the, we get the word cuttlefish from. Why? I do not know. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> so did you know that cuttlefish like to pretend to be the opposite gender when they are <laughs> looking for a mate? That is so awesome. Isn't that cool? They're half pretending. They have, they're known for their amazing camouflage abilities, and we all know that's because of the little skin cells called chromatophores that change and help them do their, they help them change color and texture of their skin. But now they can, we also know they can use that in a color changing on, uh, to pretend to be the other gender to att attract a mate. But what's really crazy, even crazier about it is when a male cuttlefish is wooing a lady, these are called cheater males, right? Because they try to break the system. Because there's a there's a male that's like, these are my females. And he's like, hee hee hee, I'm going to get in there. Right? So <laughs> in, in biology, these are, these are called cheater males, the ones that want to try to get their DNA in there around the, the, you know, the lead male or whatever. Right. And it happens. It's very successful. It's a very successful mating strategy in a lot of animals. That's why it exists. So. <laughs> yeah. But when he's, when he's wooing a lady, he will often do this by painting typical female patterns on one side of his body, while the other side is the one that's uh, facing the male patterns, um, uh, or the facing the female, shows off male patterns. So the side that the male can see, he puts on a female pattern. And the side that the lady can see, he puts on a male pattern. Are you serious? I'm they do, serious. They do both at the same time? Yes. So that the jealous male that thinks he's in charge of this area just think he's, thinks he's another one of the girls. Wow. <laughs> Pretty sure that is the, uh, the premise of at least one uh, movie from the 1980s and maybe one sitcom. That's not impossible, you know. It was a it was the Wild West back then, you know. <laughs> I think the movie Tootsie was based on cuttlefish. Except he didn't do half and half, did he? Right? I guess not. Victor no. Victoria, though, maybe I don't know. Huh. There you go. There you go. There it is. I don't actually remember if there is a place <laughs> in the movie where where you do have everything half and half. It was just part of the advertisement, but yeah. But yeah, that's the exact exact idea. But so. What this means is that when they use this sneaky display, what the males are doing is buying more time to convince the ladies to mate with them before they're discovered by the other males. Aha. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> <laughs> they are close relatives of squid and oct octopus, as we said earlier, but despite their name, they're not fish, but mollusks. And... They are still quite a bit brighter than those guys. Um, and they have a sophisticated visual system that allows them to choose the perfect camouflage for any situation. And the scientist in this study, who's called Brown, Scientist Brown, and his colleagues first noticed the cuttlefish's two-faced disguise in their lab, where they have a semi-natural enclosure for them. They were conducting a study on anti-predator behavior when a group of the sepia guys that, that we talked about earlier, or, or these are sepia plangon, morning cuttlefish, they began courting, and they noticed that the males sometimes displayed a strange split-down-the-middle coloration, and then they figured it out what, what he was doing after some time. So that's it's one of those examples where 
in science where you're doing a, a study, an experiment or whatever, and, and the real science is never, Eureka! It's never like that. It's always, why is it doing that? It shouldn't be doing that. That's weird. <laughs> right. What's going on there? That's exactly what was happening. So... They said that in 39% of the photograph groups containing males, a courting male was sporting gender-bending camouflage, so lots of the time. And it behaved in it behavior occurred in groups where there were two males and one female. Only occurred. And the extra females basically might have disrupted the male's uh, concentration or made it harder for him to orient his disguise correctly or whatever. And if there's a lot of males around, it might be too risky for him to split his coloring that way because if another male caught on to him doing it, he'd probably want to fight about it. And, sure. Um, so, and it might result in him getting no mate at all, which is not optimal if you want to make copies of your DNA. So... <laughs> <laughs> So the scientist, Scientist Brown, said the fact that the males only perform this behavior in a very specific context clearly shows that they are well aware of the social context in which they find themselves and behave accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> Complex know. social interactions have been put forth to explain why primates and birds show intelligence, and it may be the same for the humble cuttlefish. That's what it says in the article. So how cool is that? So amazing. That's very cool. Hello, ladies. <laughs> or lady, I guess. Lady, singular. That's pretty funny. That's awesome. Go cuttlefish. That's really cool. Yeah. What really sets cuttlefish apart from other cephalopods is the cuttle bone. Cuttle bone. This is an internal structure that is completely unique to the cuttlefish. It's sort of a long... Uh, egg-shaped shell. It's not actually a bone. It's a shell that is on the interior of the cuttlefish instead of the exterior. It's made up of a form of calcium carbonate called aragonite, and its structure consists of narrow layers connected by little upright pillars. So picture like a parking garage, but on a very, very microscopic level. So you have all these layers and all these pillars, and you get all these little tiny chambers inside the cuddle bone. And what the cuddle bone does is it helps with buoyancy. So the forward chambers of the cuddle bone are filled with gas, and the rear chambers are filled with water. The cuttlefish has a little organ called a ventral siphuncle. And what this does is that it moves water into and out of these tiny chambers, that changes the gas to liquid ratio in the cuddle bone, and that makes the cuttlefish either rise or sink. So without a cuddle bone, the cuttlefish would have to expend tons of energy using its fins to kind of keep it in one place in the water. And the cuttlefish still needs its fins and its siphon for locomotion. The cuddle bone doesn't have anything to do with that. The cuddle bone just kind of helps fix it at a certain depth. And it's a passive system, so the cuttlefish isn't actively, like, thinking, okay, I gotta pump a little water in there, oh, no, too much water, I gotta take a little bit out, oh, okay, a little more water. It just kind of does it on its own, just like breathing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you want to see a cuddle bone for yourself, it's really, really easy. You can just go to the pet store and you can buy one. Yeah. They wash up on the beach all the time, too. I was going to say, if you live along the coast of one of the areas that I mentioned before, you can probably find cuddle bones just washed up on the shore because they float. And when cuttlefishes die, their little cuddle bones just float away and wash up. 
Yep. The reason they are in pet stores is that people who keep birds, reptiles, chinchillas, and turtles give them cuddle buns because they are a clean, natural source of dietary calcium. For birds, it cleans and polishes their beaks. It's something that can get wet, like it can it, if it drops in their water dish, it won't mess up the water. And it's an object that a bird can use to play or exercise or have fun with. Fun times for birdies. There are about 120 species of cuttlefish, as we said, and counting, because they are one of those animals that we just keep finding new varieties of, which is really cool. Yeah. Global warming, which is a real thing, is a threat to cuttlefish, just like it's a threat to every other living thing. And uh, fishing by humans can be disruptive to cuttlefish, but no cuttlefish species is in any real trouble. According to the IUCN, they're all listed as either least concern or data deficient, which means that we don't really know enough about them to know how they're doing, but they're probably doing okay. Uh, so plenty of cuttlefish, loads of cuttlefish. Many, many aquariums have cuttlefish exhibits. I, uh, I can't list them all. I, there was just too many. So next time you want to take a trip to an accredited aquarium and it's safe for you to do so, go to their website first and see if they keep cuttlefish and see them there. They probably do have... They're, they're at least going to have octopuses, maybe some squid, probably a couple cuttlefish. Yeah. They're not really recommended as pets because they're a little, they're very smart for one thing. And they will like try to, you know, they'll, they'll be mischievous and they're a little tricky to take care of. And they only live for like a year or two years, maybe. Not good for a pet. Not good at all. Not good at all. Well, we are going to talk about cuttlefish and pop culture and a couple other things, but we're going to do that right after I thank our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for supporting the show through Patreon. We really do appreciate it. We don't run ads. We decided about a year ago that we're not going to run ads. We're not going to tell you what mattress to buy or what food box to buy or where to get your audiobooks because we wanted to be listener supported. And uh, we're going to continue to do that. Thank you for your support. If you want to join uh, the other people on Patreon that already support us, you can get benefits with as little as a dollar a month. And that is at patreon.com slash varmints. Thank you, patrons. Hey there, everyone. Paul and Don are a couple of nerds just like you. And they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time. On movies, TV, comic books, toys and video games. Alrighty, so I guess it probably won't surprise anybody that there's not a whole lot of cuttlefish specific pop culture out there. And I was going to put up a documentary, but um, I, I actually was so entertained by the stuff that we opened the show with with the frank that i think i'm just gonna pick that you know you can find mm -hmm. documentaries too they're really good documentaries some Nas national geographic ones that are really good but this is so funny and it is not for everyone he has z frank is is a sweary cursy kind of gentleman he doesn't overdo it he uses cursing like a spice appropriately <laughs> <laughs> right. But they usually bleep it out in, in YouTube. But this particular little section made me laugh so hard. And I actually <laughs> altered the bleep. And I think you'll really enjoy it. So let's play the little bit. <laughs> okay. Then there's the flamboyant cuttlefish, which doesn't try to blend in with... Oh, boy. It just says, <laughs> why doesn't the world try to blend in with me? You go, little man. 
Don't go changing for nobody. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're using to bleep uh, curse words from now on. Well, that's what I was using on the old podcast that I had, the soapies, before we shut it down. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh. (laughs) I just grabbed that file. I was like, oh, boy. Yep. The best. <laughs> Craig Ferguson used to go, ooh la la, on his. <laughs> <laughs> so I was tempted to do that, but it's already been done. So, oh boy, it's, it's just it's good enough. But yes, oh, the whole great. thing is maybe five minutes long, but it's it's cute. So. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, his, his little True Facts series is just fabulous. There was a while where he wasn't making them, and I think he started again because people... We're like, why is there not more of this? <laughs> but you can go on YouTube and see his stuff, and it's really funny. Yep. Z-E-F-R-A-N-K, all one word. Eugenia Frank, true facts about the cuttlefish. <laughs> yeah, like you said, there's not a whole lot of pop culture with cuttlefish. I did find a folk tale hmm. uh, from the Philippines. Nice. So all these little folk tales and, and fables and myths were used to describe uh, something in nature because they didn't have science, basically. So they made up these little tales and, and uh, you know, that's how it came to be. So this is a little folk tale about how the squid and the cuttlefish were able to produce their ink. Which we said earlier is like sepia colored. It's like mud colored. So this is a little folk tale. Uh, maybe I'll put some little sound design or some little bubbles or water or something behind this. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. All right, so it goes something like this. A long time ago, after Bathala, the supreme being of the ancient Tagalogs, had created the fishes, he assigned a certain day for all of them to meet in the Dark Sea. The object of this convention was to appoint some officers. Early in the morning of the day designated, the fishes were to be seen hurrying to the meeting. When they reached the assembly hall, they found Batala sitting on a beautiful stone waiting for them. He called the roll when it seemed that all of the fishes were present. It was found that the cuttlefish and squid were absent, so they waited for them a half hour, but they still did not show up. Ah, tardy Marty. I know. At last, Batala arose and said, The meeting will come to order. After the fishes had taken their proper positions, Batala continued, The object of this meeting is to appoint some officers and to issue their appointments. At once, all the fishes became very quiet and respectful, for all were anxious to know what offices each was going to hold. Batala appointed the Stingray Sergeant-at-Arms. Hence, all Stingrays now have whip-like tails. The Crocodile was appointed Cadaver Carrier, so now all its children have a coffin-like skin on their backs. The Crab was made to be a soldier, so today all its descendants have large and strong forelegs. Batala had not finished giving out his appointments when the two missing members came. They at once interrupted the meeting by asking what it was all about. Batala became very angry at the interruption, so he scolded the cuttlefish and the squid severely. The rebuke humiliated them so that they agreed between themselves to go get mud and throw it on the official appointments. When they had gotten the mud, they came back and asked Batala to give them something to do. But instead of appointing them to do some work, he only scolded them for being late. Angered, 
they now threw mud on all the appointments that had already been drawn up. Yeah, go little bitch and swing. <laughs> <laughs> Punk rock. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> This insulting act of the cuttlefish and the squid so enraged Batala that he stood up and said in thundering tones, Now I shall punish you. From this time on, you and your descendants shall carry pouches of mud with you all the time. Besides, you shall be very slow in moving because of your heavy loads. <laughs> the squid tried to make excuses, but Batala became angrier than ever and said, You are the naughtiest creature I have ever had. As a punishment, you and your children shall remain the same size as you are now. And all of Batala's words have turned out to be true. Apparently the Filipinos did not know about giant squid because yeah. squid are not all the same size. No, no, and they don't carry around packets of mud either, but that's okay, it doesn't matter. Uh, they have their little they have their little insects though that carry so, around that brownish brownish oh, ink. Oh, that's true. That's true. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, nope, that makes sense. A, that yep. makes sense. That's cool. Yeah. Was the cuttlefish <laughs> all mouthy afterward, or they just said whatever? <laughs> I mean the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was the squid. The squid like kind of poked Patala a little but bit. They more, but they don't say what the cuttlefish's I, response was. Just. No, I think the, the cuttlefish, cuttlefish was just, just over in the corner smoking a cigarette and going, whatever, pretty, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't smoke, kids. It's not good for you. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Filipino folklore is way more corporate than I would have ever imagined. My goodness. Yeah, with the meetings. The meeting and having a, a convention under the sea. But then the party crasher cuttlefish came in and ruined everybody's day. Yeah! Rock and roll. Woo! Punk rock cuttlefish. Meow. <laughs> punk rock cuttlefish. Punk rock cuttlefish. How great would that be to just storm into somebody's business meeting and throw mud around? <laughs> throw mud everywhere. I hate you. Blah! Vice President of Things, Splash! <laughs> Manager of Other Things, Splash! Nice. <laughs> oh. I love that story. Now I need to know all the Filipino folklore. <laughs> no, there's a that's ton the, of it. That's the best there's... story I've heard in ages. <laughs> that's so there's fun. So much Filipino folklore. Oh, yeah, yeah, I loved it. I admire the Filipino folklore. Amazing. Mummy, what's for dinner? It's the elbow of a snake. It's the elbow of a Mummy, snake. Mummy, I can't <laughs> eat that. Well, would you eat that? <laughs> so this is odd. This is an odd turn of events. I would yes. probably try it. I mean, I eat octopus and squid, so. Sure. So why isn't it in your food box? What a strange thing. I have a problem eating octopus. I can't. I can't I can't bring myself to eat an octopus. You can't eat them because they're your overlords? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think their intelligence really does have something to do with it. Like, they're so mm. smart. They're not intelligent enough not to end up in a sandwich, so. Anyway. <laughs> they're, like, weird and rubbery, though. They're, like, they, they don't, they no, have a weird taste. It's true. The texture is strange. The texture is strange, yeah. I, I've, I've had octopus in, mostly in Japanese food, and I've really enjoyed it. But it does have a very strange texture, so... Yeah. Yeah, I bet cuttlefish probably does too. I've never had it, but I would I would try it. Sure, why not? Yeah. But I eat squid, so I don't know. I'm I'm conflicted. Hmm. 
Well, I don't know. Um, I don't think an octopus would worry too much about it, but uh, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of things that eat them. I don't think they would be upset with you. So. A lot of things that eat cuttlefish. Th- yeah, there are. There are a lot of things that eat octopus and cuttlefish and and squid. Oh so. yeah. No, what does <laughs> eat cuttlefish are dolphins, sharks, fish, seals, seabirds, and people and other cuttlefish. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Hmm. Yep. They eat Not each other. It. Well, that happens in nature. <laughs> they are in their own food boxes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so meta, man. <laughs> Is your brain a repository of useless information? Yep. Well, let's Definitely. help everyone win that next trivia night. Or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the animal fact of the week. Donna. Yes. Did you know that cuttlefish start learning even before they are born? No. Cuttlefish eggs start out being in like covered in black ink, but over time the ink washes away and the egg becomes transparent and by this time the developing cuttlefish's eyes are fully formed and they can see and we now know that even before they are born they can use visual information from the outside world to shape their adult behavior. As soon as a cuttlefish hatches, uh, what, did we, what did we decide that we were going to call them? Um, Not cutlets. Cutelets. Yeah. <laughs> as, as soon as a cutelet hatches, they are on their own. They don't receive any care from their parents. They have to find food all by themselves. So what researchers did is they suspended eggs laid by a captive female in a shallow tank. The eggs sat in the middle of two compartments, which had clear glass sides and opaque plastic floors. In some cases, the compartments were empty, and in others, they contained crabs. The embryos could see what was in the compartments, but as they hatched and sank to the bottom of the tank, their views were obscured by those opaque plastic floors. The hatchlings were collected, and after a week of hunger, they were given a choice of either crab or sand shrimp. The cuttlefish who saw crabs as embryos preferred them once they had hatched. 71% of juveniles choosing crab from the menu uh, were the ones that saw the crabs. Only 10% of cuttlefish whose eggs were laying in between the empty compartments picked crabs over shrimp. Hmm. This is the first instance of embryonic visual learning in any animal. That is amazing. Yes. The cuttlefish were clearly learning from sight uh, because the embryos were encased in plastic. They could not have smelled anything. They weren't getting any chemical cues from the crabs. Right. So it was just purely on sight. They've just got their own little natural window because the eggs are translucent. So they're just looking around. Ooh, look at that. Can't wait to grow up. When I grow up, I'm going to eat crab. (laughs) (laughs) Female cuttlefish generally lay their eggs in shallow water, and it's thought, again, we don't really know why cuttlefish do what they do sometimes, but it's thought that they may choose sites where hatchlings can easily find potential prey. That is really cool. What a great little thing. Yeah. Massively sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, did you know that cuttlefish have been wearing 3D glasses for science? What? Yeah! <laughs> wow. Science! Science! 
basically over at the University of, Unif of Minnesota, some neuroscientists are studying depth perception in cephalopods. And we know that octopus and squid don't really have any depth perception, but there was a bit of a hunch that cuttlefish might. So they put them in an aquarium and they put 3D glasses on them. <laughs> <laughs> Which the article says is not the simplest task ever performed in the service of science. <laughs> the scientist said, some will not wear them no matter how much I try. <laughs> but what they do is they gently lift the guy from the aquarium, dab him between the eyes with some little tiny bit of glue and some Velcro, and they put the blue and red specks on. And if they're, if they're not going to tolerate it, then they just don't. They don't, they don't try to make them. And it's not something that stays there forever. It'll it'll wear off and stuff. And it doesn't hurt them. Sure. So it's an attempt to tell, as I said, whether or not they can see in 3D using the distance between their two eyes to generate depth perception like humans do. So this, this is how it's done. Like, I am mostly blind in one eye, so my depth perception is severely limited. <laughs> and let me tell you, it is it is not useful when you are not an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> Because I can't smell my environment no, well enough to compensate, you know what I mean? So, you know, and I don't have neuro uh, receptors like they do. So and all it means is that I will I'll never be able to tell what a stairway is <laughs> 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 and constantly fall over. That's just that's just what happens. So, oh, dear. So this was inspired by research in which praying mantises in 3D glasses helped answer a similar question. And they suggest that. Contrary to what scientists believed in the past, cuttlefish can see in three dimensions. So octopus and squid are super good hunters, but they still don't have this 3D vision like ours. Um, but they found that one-eyed cuttlefish could still catch prey, suggesting that they might be similar. But cuttlefish eyes often focus in concert when they're hunting, which is a mark of a 3D seeing species. So they went ahead and put this this experiment together and this is how it went with each eye covered by a different colored lens the two different colored versions of a scene slightly offset from each other pop out into a three-dimensional image that's how 3d glasses work and by playing a video on the tank wall of a scuttling pair of shrimp silhouettes each a different color and separated from each other by varying amounts the researchers could make the shrimp seem closer to the cuttlefish or farther away and uh, this was to test to see if they have their 3d vision but they let the cuttlefish get hungry and then placed them in the tank with the video projected on one wall. And the cuttlefish spied the shrimp very clearly, put itself into reverse, backing up a bit, and then shot the tentacles at the mirage. So, wow! <laughs> I know, amazing, huh? And because it was adjusting for the uh, for the for the distance, and it's pretty crazy. The doctor, Dr. Wardill, <laughs> who was in the experiment, said, "I was ecstatic. We were sort of jumping up and down." The, the cuttlefish was immediately given a real shrimp as a reward. The motion of backing up was telling because cuttlefish spring their tentacles at their prey from a specific distance. They rely on suckers at the tips of the tentacles to grip and pull in their meal before eating it. And if they are too close or too far, the tentacle tips won't make contact. So the researchers also projected the shrimp image to appear at a distance that made the cuttlefish move forward. So pretty crazy so 
They were obviously using 3D vision to gauge the distance to their prey, so why would they still be able to hunt with a single eye? And, but the researchers said, um, uh, so basically, this is interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm trying to express how this works because I actually no, do this good. myself. So basically, they arranged the experiment to, they just knocked the one eye out by like putting a black tube over it or something, or black um, lens over the eye, sorry. And they could see out of the, they could still see out of the other side. They didn't hurt the cuttlefish is what I'm trying to get at. They, they just, you know, temporarily made it so they couldn't see out of one side. And what they noticed was the cuttlefish would still launch their tentacles at the shrimp, but they paused longer before doing that, suggesting that they weren't exactly sure if they were at the right distance and so they were kind of measuring. That's what I do when I am uh, moving around in the world. I, I measure things based on known objects. You know what I mean? Like really? this, is how, this is how I learned to drive. And I can do it on the fly now because I've been doing it my whole life. But this is how I learned to drive. Was My father stood on the corner with me and said, That's a truck. And it is too far away. Or it is very far away. You can turn now. That's a semi. It is too close. That's a semi. It's very far away or whatever. And he, he would, you know, we went through, we spent hours doing this. And I learned manually what most people do. Um, wow. And so that's what I the d- cuttlefish is doing. So that I did not know this about you. That is fascinating. Oh, yeah. Um, well, thank you. Oh. I like being fascinating. <laughs> no, really. But no, it, that's how I would do things in volleyball. I had a volleyball. I was at our volleyball. I wasn't on a team, but we had a volleyball section of PE. And the, I couldn't hit the ball and couldn't hit the ball and couldn't hit the ball. And the teacher was like, wait a minute. Are you blind in your left eye? Because I have a slightly lazy eye. And, and, he, and I said, yeah, pretty much mostly. And he was like, hmm. Okay, so you need to see what size it is so what we did was serve somebody would serve the ball to me and he would go all right it's too far it's too far it's too far now it's close hit it you know um get ready to hit it okay time to hit it and and uh and so we had a very very understanding PE teacher that kind of helped me and it helped because I was actually able to participate um in the volleyball because I was able to gauge how close the ball was doesn't work with smaller balls very well. I'm not very good at tennis and squash and stuff like that because the ball is too small and it moves too fast. So um, it's really hard for me to, to, to gauge it. But if you have like a big wow. ball, like a kickball or a soccer ball or something, it's a lot easier for me to handle. But yes, that is exactly what the cuttlefish is doing. It's going, all right, it's not close enough, not close enough. All right, now it's close enough. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. That is so cool. That is neat, huh? Yeah. so yeah there's a lot of implications of this kind of study and a lot of different things they're going to be able to study as a follow-up and stuff um and it's uh it's it's pretty great so very cool cuttlefish are so cool i okay listeners a a couple weeks ago we were trying to decide what animal we were going to do next and donna said cuttlefish because of this cool news article and i was like is there really that much about cuttlefish to talk about? It turns out there is a lot to talk about about cuttlefish, so much so that we might have enough for a second episode, maybe. 
Yeah, the pop culture part is the part that's mostly lacking, but as far as science, there's yeah. a lot of science. A lot of science. So we may do a second one and just say, we got no pop culture. Here, look, I drew a picture <laughs> of a cuttlefish. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there's a lot more to know about them. So look for another show in the future. Cuttlefish yeah. 2. The cutening. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. This show has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by Imran Javed. Our vocal talent today was Stacy and Frosty and Justine and Santiago. Christine also polishes her beak with a cuddle bone. <laughs> Yay. Now it's time for the rug rat corner. If you, were, if you have a regret who is eight years of age or younger and they want to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for you and your rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. Who do we got today? Today we have AC. AC has something to say about cuttlefish. Yay, AC! I'm AC, age 8, and I'm going to be talking about cuttlefish because that's what you guys are also talking about. So basically, cuttlefish have cool patterns that hypnotize their prey. So when they glow, their prey gets paralyzed and they can basically just snap them up. But before they do that, they have to hypnotize them or paralyze them with their cool patterns. Um... Dolphins are one of the only natural predators to cuttlefish, too. So just the smell of a dolphin can send the cuttlefish swimming out into the sea and even not take its predator or prey. Basically, all it does is if, like, maybe it's hypnotizing its prey, um, the dolphin can save the prey and the cuttlefish won't eat. Them. I like these creatures because they are beautiful with patterns, even though they are very deadly. And they're actually kind of cute, even though they're big and kind of look like a weird version of a jellyfish. <laughs> they are cute. I agree. Thank you, AC. Thank you, AC. That was awesome. That was very cool indeed. <laughs> I'm just, I'm picturing a cuttlefish with like a stopwatch. Yeah, you me know, too. That's exactly what I was picturing too. Look <laughs> into my eyes. <laughs> You're getting sleepy. You're getting sleepy. Sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> Young people are not going to understand this reference at all, and they're just going to go, "Oh my god, the olds are being old again." Yeah, we are. And AC's mom is Melissa. Melissa is the host of a podcast called Bewilder Beasts. If you like the uh, the little animal fact portion of our show, you will love Bewilder Beasts. It is all stories about how kind of humans and animals intersect in very, very interesting ways throughout history. Um, it's family friendly. It's maybe, I think episodes are like 20 minutes long, so it's perfect for like a little commute. And uh, we'll give you the link to that show. Bewilder Beasts. Very, very good. Nice. Thanks, everybody, again for listening, and until next time... Be nice to animals. Be nice to animals. Or they will eat you up for dinner. <laughs> <laughs>
You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up to the minute network shenanigans by following at Podfix on Twitter, official underscore Podfix on Instagram, at Podfix Network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved. You know that trivial information that fills up your head too much yes. thing that we have as the bumper? Yes. That happened to me today. I was like working on the computer this morning and just getting some stuff done. And I was listening to a documentary about the Wars of the Roses. And I know this material so well, I don't need to watch a documentary on the Wars of the Roses. But uh, the, the I'm sitting there listening to it and the narrator's like, And now Edward IV had to contend with one of his greatest supporters becoming his greatest enemy. And I was just like, la la la, the kingmaker, <laughs> sitting here at my <laughs> desk. And he's like, Warwick, the kingmaker. And I go, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only one that was here to notice my trivial, dumb (laughs) retaining of information.